are again for this 45th edition of the Driving You Crazy podcast. I'm your host for the next less than an hour. My name is Jason Luber, and I am the traffic anchor for Denver 7 News right here in lovely, rainy Denver, Colorado. I am Joseph Peters, pedestrian advocate and producer at Denver 7 News. Big shout out to the Hyperloop who says they can, they can build a vacuum tunnel in a tube from Greeley to Denver International Airport for $3 billion. Well, I think the overall price tag was, what, $22 billion for the entire loop? Exactly. 20, 22 25 somewhere in that range. I'm sure it'll go over. But, hey, if I can get to Greeley for $3 billion, I'm signing that check right away. Right? Well, you know what that means? We're going to have a lot of stakes making their way over to DIA from Greeley <laughs> in about eight minutes. That's going to fulfill that uh, cargo requirement right for yes, the hyperloop all exactly. the all the stakes shipping that's going on yeah, in if, you, if, you, if you're listening from around the country weld county where Greeley is the county seat for weld county and weld county is well it's it's cattle country up there and they have a lot of cattle uh, farms and they have the processing plant and it, we, we always know we always joke that we know it's going to snow uh, w- when you can smell Greeley um, because it has a certain smell and well it, not necessarily a pleasant smell no, it isn't a pleasant smell and every year when i used to go cover broncos they used to go train up there for preseason training right up there at university of northern colorado and we go up there and it was always so stinky <laughs> always so stinky. every town has one of those right where i grew up it was if it smelled like a paper mill you knew it was gonna snow right so and here it's the cow country exactly there you go and you know i you know, this is the driving you crazy podcast right joseph where we normally talk transportation stuff but i must tell you about um well, I guess I'm going to call it the Great Serial Saga. We teased this last week, folks. So if you're tuning in, you listened to us last week. This is the story you've been waiting for <laughs> for seven wait, days. That's right. Because you probably didn't know. I'm, I'm a huge fan of the Serial Crackling Oat brand. Huge. It's delicious. I mean, it's really, really good. Have you ever had the Crackling Oat brand? No. It is delicious. It's, I don't think, the necessarily healthiest cereal for you, but that's probably why it's so tasty. It does have plenty of fiber in it. I believe probably plenty of sugar in it, too. That's why it's so tasty. My doctor just told me. Uh, mm. She said I, have to, I should start limiting my sugars. Well, they tell you that all the time. Do they? they don't, you don't have to listen to that one. I Doctor's don't. orders. She wants me to go on some ultra-low sugar diet. I mean, that's, pff, come on. Like, I'll be able to stick to that. You know, she, you, know you live in America, right? Uh, like, something about triglycerides. and I mean, look, I could care less about that. I only care about the great taste of Cracklin' Oat Bran. And I've been upset lately because my local grocery store, it hasn't had it in stock for several weeks now. I've looked at the stores near me. I, I've looked over there at the Safeway, at the King Supers, at Walmart, Target, Whole Foods, Sprouts. Nothing. Nothing anywhere. All the store shelves are bare. And all you see is the label... And there's no cereal up there. Sometimes it says temporarily unavailable. Okay? So I'm thinking, all right, it's going to be there the next week, the next week. Well, I mentioned this to my sister-in-law, and she tells me she has the same problem. She, 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 see, the problem for her is she has this little three-year-old boy, Bradley, who's addicted to the cereal. He loves it. He's jonesing for more. He doesn't understand that, that his little crack addiction to uh, – <laughs> crackling oat bread. Crackling oat bread. It can't be fulfilled because he doesn't understand that mommy can't just just go to the store, pick some more up, and and then bring his luscious food back to him. He's three. He doesn't get it. He doesn't understand about supply and demand and distribution problems and how all that works. He's three. He you know he he just wants his cereal. 
Well, anyway, he uh, she's been to a half a dozen stores near her, and she can't find it anywhere. So I looked on Amazon, but they were selling individual boxes for about ten bucks each. I'm not paying ten bucks. Ten dollars? No, I'm not going to do that. Not in a, not like a Sam's Club no, one, size box. One, no, one regular eighteen ounce box. Okay. You know, they had a case of ten boxes for thirty four bucks, which is about reasonable. That's about what you should be paying about three fifty per box, four bucks per box, something like that. But it didn't ship for for about two months. Well, that's no good. That doesn't help me out. <laughs> I looked on eBay, and the prices were even worse than on Amazon. One was totally ridiculous, $1,150 for one box of Cracklin' Oat Bran. I like it, but I don't like it that much. Putting the crack in Cracklin' Oat Bran. You're not kidding. So I Googled, uh, I, I put in the Google there, looking for a shortage problem of Cracklin' Oat Bran, but, but it came up empty. There's no stories about this. There's nobody talking about this except for me. That's it. I'm the I'm, so my sister-in-law sent a letter over to Kellogg's, and then they sent this email back to her. Are you ready? No, I, I feel like I'm not at all ready for this story. <laughs> it says, "Aaron, thank you for reaching out to us about special packs of Kellogg's Cracklin' Oat Brand cereal. We're glad for this opportunity to respond. We continue to experience disruption in our production schedule, and as a result, we are currently experiencing shortages on Cracklin' Oat Brand." We are in the process of implementing a long-term solution and hope to be back in full production in December. In the meantime, we have also identified a short-term solution that will alleviate most of the disruption and help us to minimize shortages in the coming weeks. We know how important it is to our customers to be able to locate and purchase their favorite Kellogg's products. You have our assurance that this is a top priority for Kellogg. Top priority. We greatly appreciate your continued patience and loyalty and apologize for the inconvenience might have caused, blah, blah, blah. Signed, Kellogg's Consumer Affairs. So here's my question. Were there coupons attached to this email? If Kellogg's really cared about you, I hope you're listening, Kellogg's, they would have sent you some cash, some right. coupons, some gift cards. I will have to ask Aaron. I did not get a report from her that there were coupons or di- gift cards or... Even samples of Cracklin' Oat Brand. They better have sent her some coupons. Aaron, get back to us. So, they, well, her brother-in-law, her, her, her brother, my brother-in-law, her husband, listens all the time. So I'll, Excellent. I'll, all right. So, well, they mentioned, uh, the, they identified some short-term solution, but, but they didn't detail what that was, because that's really what I want to know, what their short-term solution really is, and how that will get more cereal to my store. Because that's really what's important here. So being the jackball that I am, and I am a jackball here... Uh, I went for a quest for Cracklin' Oat Brand last week, Joseph. This was the quest, the, the cereal quest. There's, so there's a website. Lisa Hidalgo introduced me to this website called BrickSeek. What you do is you put in the UPC code, and it tells you how much of a product is in a Walmart or a Target. Well, I found several stores that were supposed to have the cereal, so I mapped out my, my best loop. I put it in Google Maps, and I put all the addresses in there, and I mapped out the best loop, and off I went. I'm, I'm not kidding. I went to about 10 or 12 stores. Right after work, I started going to these different stores. I gathered 30 boxes of cereal, Joseph. 30 boxes of Cracklin' Oat Bran. Uh, Most of the stores had maybe three or four boxes. Some of the stores had none. One of the stores, a Safeway, had 12 boxes. And the lady who I was checking out, she goes, wow, you really like this cereal. And I was saying, and here's what I told her. I told her, well, my my sister-in-law, she's she's pregnant, and she she likes the cereal, and she can't find it at her store, and her kid likes the cereal, so I'm just buying extra for her. All you had to do was toss out the P word, and everybody gets it, right? (laughs) There you go. So, uh, really, that was the true mother load, that 12 boxes. So so when I got all back home, I gave Aaron 10 boxes, and I still have 20. 
I should show you the picture of all the um, in my laundry room, the stack of 20 you boxes should. of cereal. Is that on your Instagram? Yes, it is actually. Excellent. Well, it should be. I'll put it up there today on my Instagram. I, I look, I know what you're thinking. I know you're. No, he's not totally crazy. No. I, I'm, I'm mildly crazy. Uh, I, all right, here's what else you're thinking. The earliest expiration on any of the boxes is February 2018. Most of the boxes expire in July of 2018, so I'm good there. All I have to do is keep them sealed, and they're going to stay fresh. Somebody said, well, they're not going to stay fresh. Yes, they'll stay just finely fresh. <laughs> and I don't care if they get stale. I'm still going to eat them. And I originally ordered that 10-pack box from Amazon, but then I since canceled it because, oh, man, it, honestly, if my wife saw another 10 boxes of crackled oat bread show up at the house, she would lose her mind. What did she say about the original 20 boxes? Better she lost question. Her mind. <laughs> what did she say when you were like, I'm about to go hit up 12 stores for this crack oat brand? She goes, okay, well, go ahead and get... She didn't expect me to bring back 30 boxes. No, she understands that I have a problem and that I, I tend to go a little overboard with things, but she didn't expect me to go this far overboard. So she's sitting on the stairs... Looking at me and go, I can't believe, I just, she's just, you know, doing one of those things where she's just, I just, I can't, you know, almost into a mumble. I put her into a mumble. I drove my wife to the mumble. That, that's I, I this sounds like a drug addiction, Jace. It does, <laughs> like, There's it? nothing else to compare it to. I know, it's crazy. I, I needed my fix, so I went out and I bought 10 boxes of Cracklin' Oat Brand. Thir- or 30. 30. Now, so I'm sorry, Southeast Aurora and East Denver. I just bought up all of the Cracklin' Oat brand, and when I go over to Safeway for this bagging challenge thing today, I'm going to check the Safeway to see if they have any of the Cracklin' Oat brand. That's right, and I might even talk to those, because I'm going to be with the big wigs, the big cheese, the head cheese over there at Safeway. They can maybe get down to the, 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 the root of the Cracklin' Oat brand problem. What more answer do you need, man? Kellogg's told you they're working on I it. I don't care. I'm not satisfied with that answer. I'm not. Okay. If you have any, all right, if you live in a different part of the country, apparently we're pretty big in San Francisco, just let me know if you have any crackling oat bread, and maybe I'll, I'll arrange for you to buy it and then deliver it to me, and I'll, and I'll, and I'll pay you back. Because, uh, look, I think my 20 boxes will last me through December when they think they're going to have their distribution problem fixed, but I, I, I just, I have to, I have to have some kind of setup just in case that doesn't happen. Is BrickSeek a well-known app, or is this a fairly new thing? I'm sorry. I got distracted during this whole Cracklin' Oat Brand saga by BrickSeek. <laughs> no, it's, it's been around for a while. Lisa uses it to go find some kind of whatever thing she wants to get for her kids. It's usually for these uh, uh, these toys that she wants to get. Okay. And so she'll find Oh, Hatchimals, right? Yeah, she did that for this last year, and she camps out at Target to go get some of the Hatchimals or the whatever. Well, I had a similar problem to you with Java Monster Irish Blend Energy Drinks. They, which our King Supers did not stock for three months. And I just assumed they had been discontinued. But if I had BrickSeek, I would have been able to find them. We need to reach out to the BrickSeek people, man. I feel like there's the possibility for a beautiful friendship there. I think so. Uh, you know what? I think it might change my superhero name now to uh, The Crackler. <laughs> the, the Crackler. You like The Crackler? The Crackler's good, I no? liked The Cracker. <laughs> I could be The Cracker. I could be The Crackler. I could be The Oat Man. I could be the oat brand crackler. The oat man cometh. I like the oat brand crackler, man. That's I could, good. I could be all of them. It, maybe it'd be a better villain name than a superhero name. The crackler. And here comes the crackler. The cracker. <laughs> anyway, well, this is the Driving You Crazy podcast. You are truly the cracker, Jason. <laughs> <sighs> uh, it seems that a very bright and ambitious panda has learned to ride a motorcycle in Minnesota, Joseph. 
This is not an onion story, by the way. I appreciate you clarifying, clarifying that right off the top. There was actually a guy who was riding a motorcycle wearing a panda costume that included wearing a giant panda head. And the Minnesota State Patrol shared a curious case with its Facebook followers and included a picture of the panda rider. And rarely does a post from a law enforcement agency start with these lines. So many questions. And they went in to describe the case of the panda rider. So some of the questions, really, you might ask in this kind of a case, would a panda be a good motorcyclist? Would he? No, they don't have thumbs, right? So there's no way to grip the handlebars. Because uh, Yeah, because you would think the claws really would give you a gr- good grip. Right. Or does that big panda body make the whole thing top-heavy? Right. Does you think he knows how to zipper merge? He probably knows how to do it better than the drivers <laughs> in Colorado. Earlier this summer, a concerned motorist called 911 to report the rider wearing the panda head. They were concerned about the person's vision being obstructed and worried that the rider was weaving through traffic and, and riding no-handed. The bike exited the freeway before a trooper could locate it. Fast forward to this past week when the same rider was seen on traffic cameras. Troopers were able to pull over the driver then, and he told the patrolman who pulled him over that he'd been recording his rides and hoped the videos would, quote, go viral. You can't set up a viral video, can you? You can. Don't they just happen? I'm sorry. The bar is higher than Panda riding a motorcycle. I would think so, too. Yeah. Instead, the driver was cited for reckless driving, and the panda head was confiscated. All I have to say about this, Joseph, is that uh, not all heroes wear capes. Preach on, brother. Not all heroes. They could be the crackler. Let's see if they catch the crackler. I just want you to know, <laughs> I said pandas don't have thumbs. Right. And that's going to be a real problem. And two lines later, you said he wasn't riding his motorcycle using his hands. I was right. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Truck drivers, they're having their moment, Joseph. According to a recent report uh, from job analysis site Glassdoor.com, truck drivers topped the list of workers who got the biggest pay raises as compared to a year ago. On average, truck drivers are seeing a 5.7% increase in pay to an average of $52,000 a year that's higher than the median pay in America. One big reason truck drivers are seeing big pay hikes is because consumers are ordering more items than ever before online, and trucks are the one big way these items get from city to city until they've finished the hyperloop in, what, 10 or 15 or 20 years, right? Mm -hmm. The government projects that job growth for truck drivers will increase 5% through 2024, and the Bureau of Labor Statistics writes on its site that as the economy grows, the demand for goods will increase and more truck drivers will be needed to keep supply chains moving. And while there's some concern that in the future self-driving trucks may negatively impact truck driver jobs, Jobs, it's not happening today, and there's still a huge demand for actual people in the driver's seat. And actually, there's huge demand where there's driver pay bonuses and there's sign-up bonuses, and they'll even teach you if you don't know how to drive a truck. You can actually go through truck driving school that would be paid for by the trucking company, mm-hmm. and then you work for them for a little bit to pay it off. CDLs are a big deal, man, and it usually costs about, what, nine grand is what I've seen to go through one of those courses. And once you have the CDL, this is something I learned a long time ago. My friend was a bus driver, school bus driver. The school bus company paid for him to get a CDL. Once he had his CDL, he was able to drive stretch limousines, and that's where the real money is. Yeah, well, and you can not only do that. But you can also drive the local delivery trucks because even if, let's say, we have 
uh, Hyperloop. Let's say we have autonomous uh, big rigs that are moving stuff across the country that usually go to a distribution point. Right. And then from there to your local store. Well, because most of those drivers also handle the unloading, and that's really where the big part of it is. I'm telling you, man, for any young person who doesn't really know what they're wanting to do in life, a CDL is a great short-term job. Driving is fun. You get to see the country, and you get paid well. Or you become a mason. They actually, you don't. You, you don't, could. It's it's because you you really don't see a lot of Mason schools out there. You could become a monk too if we're going to throw out <laughs> ridiculous suggestions. Incidentally, the ten jobs with the biggest pay raises: truck driver, barista. Oh, yeah. Oh, go go Starbucks. The lowly barista moving up in the world. Sorry, insurance baristas. agent, recruiter, bank teller. I always thought I'd make a pretty good bank teller. Have, did you watch The Office back in the day? No. There's one line, Michael Scott. <laughs> He's trying to pick up a girl, and he's like, yeah, my buddies told me to tell people I work in finance. And they cut to him talking to a girl, and he's like, hey, I, uh, I'm a bank teller. <laughs> See? There you go. Restaurant cook, pharmacy technician. I don't know if that – it's probably not a pharmacist, but the person that helps the pharmacist, right? Right. A cashier, producer, and server. I don't think a producer is your kind of producer. I don't know what kind of producer they're talking about. I th- I, that would be like in real estate, right? Somebody who produces leads, things of that nature. Yeah, probably. Another area to watch in terms of rising pay is retail, as cashiers saw their pay rise 3.7%, and store managers got a raise of 3.2%, and now there's more than 614,000 open jobs in the retail industry. That's a trend that Glassdoor attributes to, in part to holiday hiring. So, look. If you're a cashier, right? Yes, you have one of the jobs that, that's seeing the big, biggest rise in pay. But if you started at the bottom and you went up a little bit, you do have a big rise in pay. That doesn't mean a whole lot. I mean, $9 an hour to $10 an hour is a substantial gain from a percentage perspective. Right. But it's not actually that much. Especially if you're trying to make ends meet and pay the gas bill and pay the water bill and all that stuff keeps going up. Exactly. I don't know how you can really make it because when I was by myself downtown – I mean, I was paying, you know, what four or five hundred dollars for a little studio apartment. Now that same place would probably be over a thousand. Well, to answer your question, you make it by going on government assistance. There you go. Yeah, traffic guy, by the way, and podcast host, both not on this list. Not on the list. Don't act like you don't have a lucrative job over there, Jason Luber. <laughs> Maybe not the podcast host part. The podcast host, I wish, would pay a lot more. Yeah, you and me you both. You can still brother. send those checks to 123 Spear Boulevard, Denver, Colorado, 80203. Leave them blank. Yes. Those are our favorite kind of checks, <laughs> the blank ones. Uh, coming up, I have a story of how some migratory birds can bring a giant bridge project to a grinding halt. That and so much more as the Driving a Crazy podcast continues. What's driving you crazy? The mailbag is next. I don't, you know, angry might not be the best word to describe Jason Luber, uh, but he he gets fired up and passionate about minor 
traffic topics even. And and so the major ones, it's even more fun. But he tells us all about uh, traffic issues in other states and other countries and these weird stories that come out of these places. You'd, you'd never believe how they handle some of their situations. Some of it maybe we could apply here in Colorado. And that, that's why I like to listen to the podcast because I really actually learn something about traffic and roads and the system in our state. And it makes me want to do better. It makes me want to demand better. Nicole Brady, only on Denver 7. If you start your day with Denver 7, when you walk out the door, you are going to know everything you need to know. You're going to know if you want to be wearing shorts that day or a parka and a hat and gloves. Jason's going to give you all the details on the traffic so you will know which way you want to travel. And Mitch and I, we're going to give you all the information you need to know so you can have those great conversations around the water cooler. Dale Cedars, only on Denver 7. I'm kicking hieroglyphics like Egyptians because I'm a nihilist like the Nile is. Get it? Open my eyelids to all these Pontius Pilots who might be stylish but they blind in compliance. Wired to their wireless and they public with their privates. They mind but they mindless and they see the guidance is a minus. This all is major. Welcome back to the world famous Driving You Crazy podcast heard all over the world and all the ships at sea including San Francisco where we've had numerous downloads in the past few weeks. Joseph, I've been looking at our... uh, where we're being listened to, San Francisco is 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 pinging. I don't know what they call themselves in San Francisco, but make sure to watch ABC Seven and my good friend Jessica Castro, who's on the morning show out there. Jessica Castro, yes, good friend, good friend. All right then, what does she do? Uh, she is, I believe, still the breaking news anchor for ABC Seven out in San Fran. Well, there you go. So, to all you fine folks living in the city by the bay, I am Denver Seven traffic anchor Jason Luber. I- Yay! <laughs> <laughs> I'm just a producer. Don't mind me. <laughs> I do like San Francisco. I think it's a great town. Um, I have never been. No? No. It's beautiful. Okay. It really is a beautiful city. Well, you know, obviously a little nuts, but beautiful. Uh, okay, so while North Korea's leader, Kim Jong-un, he's spending untold resources on his nuclear program, there's one thing that he's not paying for. Videos of him blowing up uh, airplanes and stuff. If you if you get a chance, go on LiveLeak and look for uh, the... the uh, Kim Jong-un, the North Korea video where they he's, like, blowing up American planes and stuff. Have you seen the picture of his pants that's circulating the internet today? No. His slacks are the slackest slacks on the planet. <laughs> they also drag on the ground like a solid inch of fabric. So they're not spending any money on, um, on video production. Uh, they're not spending any money on pants. But they're also not spending any money on paying their parking tickets. An investigation found North Korea's diplomatic mission to the United Nations has racked up more than 1,300 unpaid New York City parking tickets going back to the 1990s. As of this year, the total debt has climbed to more than $156,000. Channel 4 New York was able to track down a North Korean diplomat right near their office, uh, right by the the UN on 44th Street. He identified himself as Jong Jo. Secretary of North Korea's UN mission. Jong Jo told the reporter that he believes there must be an error because it's not true, and whenever we have to pay a ticket, we pay it. Obviously not. Lies. All lies. lies. From North Korea. New York City has the right to withhold diplomatic parking privileges from vehicles that accumulate too many unpaid tickets. And North Korea is far from the only nation appearing to skip out on hefty illegal parking bills. Channel 4 in New York found vehicles assigned to diplomatic delegations from a multitude of countries. They've all accumulated more than $16 million in combined unpaid penalties since the 1990s. Among the notable scoff laws, Syria, 
at $136,000. Iran with $185,000 in parking debt. Russia, $104,000 in parking debt. China, almost $400,000 in parking debt. Yeah, so there you go. This is a fantastic investigation from Channel 4. Isn't it? Very well done. Very, very well done, guys. The de Blasio administration says parking tickets are not forgiven and diplomatic delegations must still pay their debt. A quick aside, the woman who anchors the North Korean news has been on that job for about 30, 40 years now. If you've watched the propaganda videos, you've probably seen her. And it raised the question in our newsroom a couple weeks back, did she sleep her way to the top of North Korean news? I don't know. Did she? I mean, she must have, right? That must be a pretty good, at least, you know, she's getting regular food. She's getting. That's a rarity in North Korea. She's getting irregular beatings. Oh. Which is good. Um, Unconfirmed regular beatings. (laughs) Unconfirmed accounts. So there you have it. Nice going, North Korea. Telluride in southwest Colorado, maybe within the blast zone radius, right? From North Korea to Telluride. Well, it's one of my favorite places in the whole world. There's only one paved road in and out of town. However, there is a couple of dirt roads that can take you out of town uh, to the east, but you're going to need to be in a Jeep or some other really good four-wheel drive vehicle and have nerves of steel. I took one of these drives one time. I had this Jeep Wrangler, and the road over Imogene Pass uh, goes straight up in some parts. It winds around the dirt road. There's some parts that are downright scary. One spot, we're driving right next to this cliff face, on the driver's side, with maybe, I don't know, less than a foot of clearance there. And on the passenger side, it's straight down 500 feet. I mean, 500 feet straight, and we had maybe two feet of clearance on that side. And my wife was freaking out. Understandably. I'm not a heights person either. I never like seeing that big cliff face just going whoosh. And then to, to make it worse, there was a little stream, like some water, that was flowing down the road, too. So I, I was worried about losing a little bit of track. I mean, you lose a little bit of traction, and then you're done. That was not going to be good. Um, so my wife was uh, really, that was the least part of the, least favorite part of the ride. <laughs> so I bring all this up because recently down there in Telluride, there was a guy driving a Jeep on the other dirt road out of Telluride. It's the busier road that goes up from Bridal Fall, Vale Falls. It's the one that's right out of the outside of town where most people want to go up there. He was apparently taking a drink of water, started choking, and lost control of the Jeep, and it rolled over. There were seven people in there, and none of them, including the three kids that were in the Jeep, were wearing seatbelts. All of them amazingly lived. Four of the people, including one of the kids, was hurt. The seven people in the Jeep were all family members from Farmington, New Mexico. The 66-year-old driver said he blacked out while driving just as he was choking on that water. Witnesses say the car rolled three-quarters over, landing on the passenger side, and then sliding 100 feet before coming to a stop. (sighs) San Miguel County uh, Sheriff Bill Masters, he said this family is incredibly lucky. This was his quote. You cannot travel this narrow, dangerous road with unrestrained children and other passengers. It's criminally and morally wrong. Wow. <laughs> that's, that's pretty strong, man. That's, exactly. And I completely agree with him. Uh, I've seen that road. It's amazing these people did not get killed. Now, I mentioned the story as well because Volkswagen created a car now called the Ayrton that has a program that will recognize if a driver has blocked out at the wheel. And then it will gently steer the car to the side of the road. 
The system, they call it the Emergency Assist 2.0, and it takes advantage of four existing VW safety programs. They have the Adaptive Cruise Control. They have the Side Assist, Lane Assist, and Park Assist. And this car will notice if a driver hasn't touched the gas, the brakes, or the steering wheel for a certain length of time. And then it will attempt to wake up the person with sounds, with visual cues, and even with a physical tap of the brake to try to wake up the person. And if none of that works, the emergency assist 2.0 takes over and the car's hazard lights switches on automatically. And then the car steers itself over to the shoulder. I I guess it can't really technically see the shoulder, so it has to, I guess, assume that there is a shoulder available and wide enough to accommodate the car and to stop safely. It's really remarkable. The, the, the system uses lane assist to recognize lines on the road and then park assist to actually steer the car. And the radar detection via the adaptive cruise control and the side assist helps ensure that the car won't hit any other vehicles. So that is, in essence, how the first autonomous cars, I think, are going to work there, Joseph. Just like this. That's sketchy, though. I mean, imagine if somebody, again, the hacker question, if somebody hacked into your car and turned on the emergency assist 2.0, and all of a sudden there's a brake tap, and all of a sudden your car is steering itself to the shoulder. Sure. I mean, it, it would be easy to panic and try to overcompensate. Yeah. Now, I don't know if this system would have helped that family uh, in Telluride, but, hey, if it could help out other people on other roads. and I mean, because I just saw that Cadillac has their uh, now their semi-autonomous uh, car uh, system where you could be driving down the highway – you can, as long as you're looking at the road, it sees you, it's, it's, the car is looking at your face. So you can let go of the steering wheel, you can let go of the brakes, and as long as you're on basically the cruise control, you can let go. It will steer for you, even around curves and around traffic, uh, but you still have to be looking up at the traffic. Or if you don't, if you're looking to the side, it will shut off. Well, and you do raise a good question. How much would this have helped a family on a dirt road where there aren't those obvious lines to be able to steer over to the shoulder? Yeah, and that's what that's where autonomous vehicles are not going to be able to work in the rural communities. Mm-hmm. Some places and, and some states, including Colorado, have installed electronic speed limit signs so they can change the speed limit based on the bad driving conditions. There's already a couple out on the west side of Metro Denver here. Now, CDOT is adding more of these signs. They're called variable speed limit signs, and these will be going to be on I-70 up in our mountains. And they'll be interconnected with weather and road sensors, some cameras, speed detection devices, all together to then change the speed limit. These VSL signs are going to be strategically placed and installed, and they're going to monitor weather and traffic conditions and control the speed limits where they think it's needed. So they're going to install nine of these uh, closed-circuit cameras for live monitoring and viewing of the roadway conditions. And then they hope that it'll give drivers advanced warning and generate safer traffic flow to decrease accidents. Because this technology is going to increase the standard speed limit during good conditions to 60. And then if, let's say, the conditions get a lot worse, you'll start seeing go 50, 45, all the way down to 30 miles an hour during the bad weather, whether it's snowing or raining or whatever. Or let's say there's a crash or construction or something like that. They can start slowing down the speed limit. Um, But that's going to be tricky for some people because they're used to seeing a steady speed limit all the time. Right. But then you're looking at the speed limit sign going, wait a minute, it was, when I passed it, it was 55, and now it's 30? Are you going to pull me over because I'm going 30 in, in I'm going 45 in the 30 when, I, when it was 45 when I passed it? I think this is going to be one where there's a lot of hypothetical problems, but in practice, it works out just fine. Because in most, I can't imagine them lowering the speed limit to 30 unless it's whiteout conditions, and if it is whiteout conditions, you're going to go 30 anyway. Right, exactly. But what about a construction site or something? Or let, let's say there's a crash up ahead and they want to slow you down. 
It's well, fair. I guess they'll be up there with the crash, and they're not going to be monitoring your speeds. Right. All right, we have a uh, time to go to the mailbag, Joseph. We do occasionally still have questions and comments that come into the Driving You Crazy section there on the DenverChannel.com. So we have this question that comes in from Jason from Castle Pines. <laughs> yeah, that's me. Great name. Yeah, isn't it? Uh, Jason writes, what's driving you crazy? What's that black netting under the C-470 bridge over Acres Green Drive? It doesn't look like it can catch anything, so why is it there? <laughs> Good question, Jason. Let me answer. <laughs> there are, um, all right, there are many hazards when uh, construction workers repair or expand a bridge, like the many bridges being worked on on part of the C-470 Express Lanes project we have in our South Metro Denver area. One of the hazards that most people never have considered is nesting migrating birds. That is the reason for the black netting under the bridge. In fact, the netting has been there since the spring to deter nesting birds from making that bridge their home. The contractor, Flatiron Construction Group, doesn't want to be fined for removing or destroying migrating bird nests or eggs. A contracting company in Kansas found out the hard way how expensive removing eggs with, with removing eggs and their nests can be. Wildcat Concrete Services was fined $372,000. That was in January of 2014 after destroying 818 eggs and removing approximately 1,500 nests from a bridge they were repairing. One of the employees was sentenced, get this, to three months probation and 10 hours of community service for doing that. And where he had to polish other birds' eggs. <laughs> Is that what they're calling it now in prison? <laughs> there, are, <laughs> okay. uh, there are numerous examples of these migrating birds slowing or stopping bridge projects. A construction crew in Washington State found a single nest, so they had to delay bridge repairs until the swallow chicks were old enough to fly away on their own. A bridge maintenance project in Louisiana was outright canceled because of the birds. A bridge project in Ottawa was put on hold until the city and contractor moved some of the nests. And birds delayed a bridge demolition in northeast Arkansas. And in California, swallows disrupted a highway widening project after returning to their nesting area during the middle of construction. Now, these swallows pose such a problem in Oklahoma that their Department of Transportation commissioned a research project to find the best ways of working around the birds. CDOT did basically the same thing in 2010. If you want to read it, it's, well, it's riveting reading. Uh, you can, uh, I have it, actually, there's a, I have this story posted on the Driving You Crazy section of the DenverChannel.com, and I have a link to that. So you can read this story, and you can also see that link, too. Okay. Because swallows are not endangered. They're federally protected, but they're not endangered because they're migratory birds. And all species of swallows are protected in the U.S. under the Migratory Bird Treaty Act of eight, 1918. Well, I mean, I mean, 1918. Come on, I that was a hundred years ago. It makes disturbing active nests of those birds named under the act illegal, whether they're destroyed intentionally or not. An active nest is defined as one with eggs or a brooding adult bird living in it. I don't know how you prove that. Well, obviously you can prove an egg, but anyway, this is particularly difficult for companies planning bridge repairs or other infrastructure project because once the swallows move in, there's no way to get rid of them. Until they fly off for themselves, which could be up to four months. So if a nest has been abandoned there or, or there's no egg presence, then it can be removed and destroyed as needed. But the nests of invasive bird species, those not native to the U.S., such as like a house sparrow or Euro European starling, they're not covered by federal laws, but these other ones are. The easiest way for contractors to avoid the nesting problem is to stop the nesting in the first place, and that's what the netting under the bridges are supposed to prevent. There are several companies that are specializing in this nesting prevention netting. The contractor installs the net 
and then is reasonably assured there's not going to be any nesting birds that will delay the construction when the contractor is ready to move on with that part of the project. Another way contractors can deter the birds from nesting is using via acoustic deterrents, basically electronic sonic devices that, that have these unique recordings of alarms or distress calls that the birds don't like, kind of like the Noriega blasting um, what, <laughs> rock and roll music down there. and right. To, uh, or in Cuba, where they're doing sonic warfare and actually injuring our U.S. diplomats who were in Cuba. They were blasting sonic noises at the uh, embassy right. there in Cuba. And a lot of these uh, diplomats are coming back and they're having significant hearing problems as a result. That's crazy. There are also less common non-toxic chemicals like uh, methyl anthrahydrate. That can be used to deter the birds from nesting in specific areas. I think I pronounced that correctly. That's the technical name for it, actually. Typically, after all the construction work is done, the netting is removed, and then the birds will return year after year. If you wanted to see that here locally in Denver, over there at University and I-25, you can see a lot of those birds that are nesting. They they nest in there mostly in the spring, summer, and they, they keep coming back and coming back and coming back. Well, it's one of those stories where, on the one hand, you want to say, well, this is such a silly thing. It shouldn't affect construction. On the other hand, don't don't kill the birds. I mean, you can't take a you cannot take an anti-bird stance on this story. But they're not really endangered. I mean, there's so many of them. It's not that these are an endangered species that we couldn't take a couple out and, and we're not Look, we're never going to see them again. And I'm right there with you. But when you're telling me that a company in Kansas destroyed 818 birds' eggs and just destroyed about 1,500 nests. My heart goes out to those birds, man. I can't help it. I, and I feel like that that's a, such a human emotion to be like, oh, the birds. Protect the birds. This, this is where this is, see, this is how my brain works. Did, did the guy, did they save the eggs and eat them, or did they just throw them on the ground, just throw them in the trash? I mean, what do they do with all the eggs? I mean, I mean, They're not chicken eggs, man. They're well, sparrow so? eggs. It's a big difference, I guess. I don't know. I'm not, this isn't you a mean food in podcast. Ta- in taste? Texture? <laughs> I, don't, I mean, when you're making a cake? <laughs> I don't know these things. So what you're saying is if they destroyed the eggs for the purpose of cake making, you're okay with it. Well, maybe we were feeding the homeless. What if we were feeding the homeless with sparrow eggs from a bridge project? No? No good? No. Save the birds. Save the birds? You got, you got my liberal coming out now, man. Save the birds. <laughs> Forget the birds. Save the shrimp. <laughs> save the shrimp. SOS. Just save the shrimp. I love shrimp. You Only with both, the right brother. cocktail sauce. You know? eh, I don't even eat cocktail sauce. Really? No. All right. By the one. way, while we're talking about food, good luck in your bagging challenge oh, today at the old Safeway. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, it's part of the Special Olympics Easter Seals. I've done it for the last, I don't know, dozen years where they team me up. There's uh, So Safeway is really good about it, it, hiring um, people with disabilities and Special Olympic athletes, and they encourage their uh, folks to be involved in Special Olympics. So they do this every year where we have some member of the media, doofus like me, teamed up with a Special Olympic athlete who uh, is usually a lot better at this sort of thing than, than I am. And then we, as a team, do this bagging challenge where they have a cart full of groceries, they send them down the line, and then we have to bag them, and we're judged on three things. One, speed. And two, um, kindness, so we're not, you know, smashing the eggs or, or the bread. And, and, and also using a certain amount of uh, uh, bagging uh, technique. If there's a bagging technique and also using, like, their, uh, uh, their special, I don't know, whatever bag. And so you get points for all that stuff, and then you're crowned. I've, I've, been, I've been last place. I've been first place. I've been a lot in between. 
Uh, you bury the lead, which is you get a sweet shopping cart yeah. trophy if you win. <laughs> and I'm pulling for you, man. I hope you bring that trophy back to Denver 7. Also, make sure I get an invite next year because I am the champion shopping cart, the shop, the champion grocery bagger. You are? I am. Really good I, at the bagging? I, I always race the cashier to see if I can get ahead of him. I usually lose, but I try. You know, I used to do bagging when I was at the Ogletree's grocery store in when I was in high school in Atlanta. Um, our nightside anchor also, when we ran this the preview to your competition last night, said bagging groceries is one of those few simple pleasures left in life. It is. It really is. I do enjoy it. I enjoy it very much. So we'll see what happens today. We, we, we have enough people at Denver 7 that would do this that we could put together an entirely Denver 7 bagging competition. <laughs> okay. if, the, if the good folks at Safeway and Special Olympics were interested. And then the great thing is that obviously they donate a lot of money. And then they take all that food uh, that is uh, going through the, through the uh, register there that we're all bagging. They actually donate that to usually the Food Bank of the Rockies or another food group. Um, so Safeway does a great job with donating a lot of money for Easter Seals and Special Olympics. And then uh, helping out the food banks around town as well. But seriously, bring home the trophy i would well and nicole brady already has dibs on it she she's already told me she already she's already gone to twitter and said that she wants me to win so she can have the grocery cart thing so she can take it to her kids as soon as we wrap this bad boy up i'm gonna go to twitter and i'm gonna say nicole i will fight your kids for it okay there you go perfect we'll not fight nicole we'll fight her children yeah well yeah i would like to see that that could be a pretty good a pretty good fight between the two of you anyway thanks again for being here thanks again for listening to the podcast we appreciate it until next time I'm Jason Luber, the traffic guy. I'm grocery bagging advocate Joseph Peters. (laughs) Be safe. And as always, happy motoring.